the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. I'm your host today, Rhody Fisher. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you so much for this day and this time that you've given us, Lord. And, Father, I pray that you would give us words to speak. We ask you to give us a clean heart and the right spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I have a really special guest. But before we begin chatting with him, you know, the first show that I did, uh, Lord had given me a scripture out of, you know, wisdom for today. And I'm, I'm going to read it kind of nervous about coming here and, and speaking. And the Lord just called me down by giving me the scripture that he, so the scripture is Ezekiel 3.11, um, husband's favorite book in the Bible, Ezekiel, and it says, go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord, whether they hear or whether they refuse. And for me that day, I was really kind of nervous. Pastor Chuck wrote in here, God has called each of us to a calling. We're all part of the body of Christ, and we all have a job to do. Not everybody's a pastor, not everybody's a teacher, not everybody's an evangelist, but all of us can shine our light bright for Jesus somehow. And so that's what this is about. It says God will never call you to do anything that he won't enable you to do. But I want to go back to uh, Ezekiel 3, well, from Ezekiel 3, 1 to 11. First of all, I wanted to say this about what what I just read, thus says the Lord. You know, when I see thus says the Lord, I'm thinking either God is saying that or prophet is saying it. And so here in this case, it was Ezekiel. So let's go to um, Ezekiel 3, 1. And so he says here, and he said to me, he is God, is speaking to Ezekiel. He said to me, son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So really, he's saying, eat the scroll. And in the King James, it says, eat this roll. The roll and the scroll is really the word of God. You know, the scrolls were kind of rolled up. And so he's talking to uh, Ezekiel, eat the scroll. So he opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. I Wow, he's spoon feeding Ezekiel here. That's kind of the picture. I have anyway. I like the fact that he called him the son of man because it feels endearing to me. Like if somebody said to me, you know, look, I want to introduce you to Rhody, the daughter of Henry and Loretta, I would feel so honored that they mentioned my parents' name. And it feels like an endearing comment, although I have read some com- comments on that. And the son of man really points to who was the first man, Adam. And so possibly God is saying, you are the son 
son of man, you know, you came from dust, you came from dirt, like all of us. So maybe he's even saying, you know, son of man, uh, reminding Ezekiel where he's come from. I like to take that higher position. Maybe, uh, maybe God is giving him a little bit of a jump up, the son of man. But anyhow, so humble for that too. Yes. But oh, read on. And then he said unto me, this is Ezekiel still speaking, Son of man, eat the scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate and I tasted as it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And I, again, you know, God is wanting him to get in the word. Um, said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that Mark and I are teach religious release time. And I always try to tell the kids to get into the word, stay in the word, take a little bite out of the word, just read. Read one sentence if that's all you have time for, but that's the way we get to know him better. So God is really wanting him to stay in the word, taste and see that it's good, right? Like that scripture says, um, I guess it's in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so he's just wanting Ezekiel to just stay in the word. You know, I wanted to kind of preface this by saying that all of this is happening after Jeremiah had spoken to the people of Israel and said, listen, you guys are going to be in captivity for a lot of years and they heard that but they were hearing other voices from other prophets that were prophesying differently that it's going to be a short time and Jeremiah was saying no it's going to be a longer time and Jeremiah was saying it in letters where you know Ezekiel is right here he's in captivity with them the other thing is in chapter 1 and 2 and we're in 3 in chapter 1 I wanted to mention that this is where he actually is walking by the river Kabar or Chabar and he, God comes to him and he has that vision yes. of being up you know in the in with with God and then in chapter 2 he talks about giving him his marching orders like this is the commission I'm going to have you do you're going to talk you know the the house of Israel and so this is all part of that and he's now preparing Ezekiel to do this tough work oh yeah taste and see that it's sweet as honey in your mouth. I do want to take you to Revelation 10, where um, where John is um, talking about the same kind of relationship that happened, or the same type of thing that happened to Ezekiel happens to John. Well, this was in 647, I think, BC, and now now this is um, like uh-huh. later, AD. So here John is talking um, in... Revelation 10, verse 9 uh, to 11, it says, So I went to the angel and asked him to give me a little scroll. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will taste as sweet as honey. Mm-hmm. So there's that sweet as honey and the scroll thing again. Yeah. So almost mimicking it just exactly. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Um, I'm going to stop there and go back to Ezekiel. So God does want us to taste and eat. And so that kind of language isn't common. You're not in the word, but God talks about it throughout the Bible. Um, And in verse four, he says, then he then said to me, son of man, there he goes, calling him the son of man again. Now go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. You're not going to be sent to a people of obscure speech and difficult language, but to the house of Israel. So he's not being sent to a foreign land. He doesn't have to 
learn a whole brand new language to, to say these words to, to people. And when I read that, I thought about um, being in Hawaii. My parents used to tell us how the missionaries came a few hundred years ago. And so here were these Hawaiian people living on these islands. There were eight major islands. And um, they're a little dot in the middle of the ocean. And how the Hawaiians found it is beyond me, but for God. Mm. And then the missionaries get sent to Hawaii. Like, how in the world did they find that? And then they had to learn the language, like a lot of missionaries did back in the old days. You know, they didn't have uh, called Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. Rosetta Stone. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Rosetta Stone. They didn't have Rosetta Stone where you could learn the language in a day. I mean, we're talking back in those days. You know, so the missionaries landed on Hawaii and they had to learn the language. And my parents have this. It was possibly a miracle that they got there. They The Lord gave them the language, how, I don't know, put it in his their head, their heart, and now they were, you know, not killed because the foreigners were probably going to instantly be killed if you, you know, set foot on the islands back mm-hmm. then. But, you know, they were converted to Christianity way back then. But God's not talking about that. He didn't, he didn't have to learn another language. But he had a tougher job. He's talking to his own people. Okay, so here we go. Um, Not to many peoples of obscure speech and different language. Those words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. He could send you to the heathens, did what he had to say. They would have listened, just like those Hawaiian people listened. He He's saying, but the house of Israel is not willing to listen to you because they're not willing. Willing to listen to me. That's God. They wouldn't listen to God. Why would they listen to you? For the whole house of Israel has hardened and is hardened and obstinate. But I will make you an unyield as unyielding and hardened as they are. So He's going to make them tougher. He's going to make. I'm sorry, Ezekiel tougher. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid or terrified. Let me turn the page. Of them, though they are a rebellious house. Um, and he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take heart to all the words I speak to you. Go now to your, your countrymen in exile. See, they had been in exile for five years now. And now the word that he was going to tell them, which they didn't believe, was we're going to have 65 more years because we're going to be here 70 years. You know, the Jewish people believe 70 years is a generation. So their whole lifetime, some people won't make it Hmm. back home. They were thinking they were going back home soon. God is saying to them, no, you know, build your house, have your children, um, do what you're going to do, because you're going to be here a lifetime. Seventy years um, is what he's telling Ezekiel to tell them. Um, Now speak to them, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or they fail to listen. And so I, I... I wanted to kind of cover that because being in the ministry isn't easy. And I look over to you, Pastor Linus, and I think, oh my gosh, 
what a huge job you have. And all the pastors, but especially at Victory Outreach because of the people. You know, the the Jewish people back then, they, their hearts were hardened. Their heads were hard. They were stubborn. They were challenging. They were a pain in the neck to, to Ezekiel. A lot of things that you have to go through when you're taking these guys off the street. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a job that I wouldn't want to be called to. But here you are. So um, thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, and um, so I do want to introduce our special guest, even though I took up 15 minutes instead of 10, 10, 5 Whatever. So, welcome. Um, I want to tell good, you good a little bit about... Oh, thank you. Um, so, if my memory serves me correct, I think I met you in the year 2003. Yes, 2003. Okay. So, for the audience, and the camera is on this side, just so that you know, right up here. For the audience, um, you're Linus Hernandez. Yes. And um, you are the pastor of Calvary Ch- – no, sorry. Um, Victory Outreach Corona. Victory Outreach Corona. And um, also overseeing the men's home in Corona yes. and overseeing the graduates from Corona yes. because they're in a different place. So um, that ministry is a tough ministry, just like I'm thinking Ezekiel had. Um, but what I wanted to tell you is I remember that um, I met you when you were in the men's home in Anaheim yes. and Pastor Vico was, was my home director. Okay. So now that we've got the lay of the land here, I really would like to, for you to, um, and thank you so much for being here. Um, I really would like for you to tell your testimony to us for people that don't know you yeah. and don't know your background. Okay. Um, where do you come from? What was your childhood like? Mm-hmm. And, um, and how you got saved? Yeah. Well, first of all, Sister Rody, it's good to be here. It's a, it's, I really appreciate being here. Um, you know, my, my testimony, what, what it was, it was like, like anybody, probably the lifestyle that many of us or most of us had come from of a, of a drug gang, um, parents not being there in the house. Well, it started, it started when I was a young, 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 I was young in the neighborhood running around, you know, looking for some friends. It's like Ezekiel. What I want to say is the testimony that I have, I want to give is like how Ezekiel was testifying to the people in that time that there's hope. There's hope. I mean, God, there's hope in the Lord and being captive by addiction or, or of that, some of the gang subculture life. It's, 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 it's being captive, same way as the children of Israel was kept being captive. Um, and that's how I, I started is, is like say growing up in a home and I could, just, I want to start with this as, as a, as a young boy, I lost my parents mm-hmm. at a young age. How uh, old were you? About uh, 14, 14, 14, yes. Okay. okay. Oh boy, young to lose both and, parents. And yes, yes, it was hard because I see my mom, um, she was diagnosed with, with cancer. Mm-hmm. And she was, um, she was, you know, she got saved. She got saved. She, um, she, you know, when she searched, she gave her life to God and, um, what happened. And 
for the first 11 months of her life, she was having Bible studies. She was praying. It wasn't, it wasn't to us it was unusual because we were raised in a Catholic background mm-hmm. and seeing my mom get changed, changed, got changed, got changed during she had, remember, I remember she had people come over, share the word of God and, you know, the Bible study. And to us it was different. It was, it was unusual from her. Mm-hmm. But I know that, um, after seeing her, you know, through cancer that took her life, um, I was upset with God. I got mad at God. I grew bitter because, you know, I, I seen her giving her life to somebody that I can't see, you know, no doctors could help her, but she gave her life and she was totally changed and, and seeing that. And, and then, uh, she, you know, she, she was, she was a victim through cancer and cancer t- took her life and I grow bitter. I grow bitter. I, 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 I kind of like, you know, ran to the streets looking for, for some comfort, for some, for something for me. But then three months down the line, my, my dad passed away. Oh, wow. So it was like even more like, man, like what's going on? And so as a young, as a young, a young teenager, I had to, I had to, you know, find some, some refuge and I found refuge in, in, in a neighborhood gangs. Um, I found refuge in drugs, um, led me to a certain lifestyle, a lifestyle that, um, you know, they just like this, you know, me heading for destruction. And next minute I was finding myself in county jails and, and to, to prison, into prison, to the prison system. And, and it was hard. It was hard, you know, and, and not knowing, you know, I mean, still bitter, still upset. And, and I, I picked up addiction of heroin. You know, I, I, I became a, 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 like I say, a, a thief or a, 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 a want to say a, a menace to society. And all I knew that, and I knew was just that lifestyle, hating God, hating everybody that know God. I remember mm-hmm. I used to live when I, one of my brothers always trying to minister me to, to the Lord and, and not just him, but other people will come and I used to get mad and angry and because I was so bitter because what happened to my parents at a young age and right. God, I mean, I blame God for everything. And so your, your brother was older. Or? Yeah, he was older. Okay. Yes. Yes. So he was older. Brother. Yeah. He took in my sisters he, and him and his wife. I really thanked them. They're the ones that prayed me in. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they, they tend the church of Victor Arch Huntington, Huntington Beach. Um, Wow. Yeah, they've, they've been serving, they've been a part of the outreach for since things, think the, the early eighties, mid eighties. Um, my brother went to the home also, so in, in the early eighties. Right. So, so what happened is that I got into a place of, like I said, of having addiction of, of drugs and prison. I was always in and out, in and out for the past 17 years wow. of my life. And, uh, so the prison system raised you. Oh, yes. Yes, prison okay. system. I was only out maybe for a short time, three months, 45 days. But most of my reality to me was being in prison. That was my world. That was my reality. That was being out in the streets was like a dream. But that was raised me and, and, and that system raised me. But then, you know, I, I, I remember, um, in 2003, I was incarcerated. I was doing a violation and that's when I met you, 2003. Yeah. Yes. And, and it was a, because it was, it was, it was different because something started in my heart and it started in prison. The change, something started changing me. I was like, man, what's going on? I wasn't feeling like, 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 like here, like something is telling me it's time. You don't belong here no more. And I'd say it being captive, mm-hmm. being captive for 17 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, being addicted and, and what happened, um, 
I got out. I got out. I remember I went to my, to my brother and told me, I want, I want to, I want to, you know, it's time. I want to get my, my, you know, I want to go to the home. I want to go to the, the, the Victory Outreach Home. You so that's a recovery home then. Yes, a recovery that they, that they have for men that are addicted to something. Yes. And so you're able to go there and spend the night or mm. spend the week or spend the month or well, spend years. I spend years. Okay. <laughs> but thank God it was, but it was, it was kind of like hard when I gave, when I went to the home. And like I said, I, I always tell my church, man, I didn't came with an issue. I have issues that have issues. Hmm. You know, not just a drug issue, not just a, a, and I had many other things I struggle with. And when I came to the home, I remember I was there for two months, three months. And uh, I remember my brother got me a Bible. I never, I, I always take the Bible out of the box. I had it in the box. And every time I go to sanctuary or church, I'll take, I'll take the box with the Bible and take it out, put it back in. But I never really didn't open the Bible. And for three months, I was just two or three months. I was just there, just there. Just, you know, I remember um, I talked to my brother and man, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not really feeling it. And, um, I want to, I'm going to want to leave. You know, I don't feel this, this working for me. And he kind of gave me an ultimate, an ultimate, on, uh, uh, this, he said, what, listen, I'll give me one month, one month. If so I, how long had you been there when you didn't think it was working? But my, my, no, I want to say about two months, two months, okay. two months, two months, two and a half months. I want to say right there. Two, and so three. your brother's asking you for one more month. One, yes. Okay. And when he told me, I was like, "All right, you know, I'll, just, I'll do it. I'll do it." You know, you know I could do time. I done time. So in, <laughs> a month was enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. And what happened? I think after the third week, I had like one more week left and I was like, yeah, I was telling all the guys in the home, I'm going to leave. Um, I'm going to go live with my brother. I get a job, you know, I'm having my own plans. And, and I remember it was the, it was, we had two Sunday morning services and the, I remember it was, it was the, it was the second service. And I was like, already, I, I was like getting my stuff away. Like in prison, you know, you were getting released. I don't know if some people understand when you you want to give your, your start getting your stuff away. And that's what I was doing in the home. And, and, and that service, that second service, something just touched my heart. Uh-huh. And I remember when it touched my heart, like Sunday, and I remember like, I didn't felt right. I, something when I, I never thought I felt right. I shouldn't have said that. I felt something that I never felt before. Uh-huh. That was remorse. That was like, man, like something like, man, unforgiving. I, I was carrying so many hate, so many anger. And I remember the next day I was in the home. I was at the end of the home sitting right there. And my home director, Pastor Vico, comes out. He looks at me. He said, he looks at me. He said, the Lord's dealing with you. <laughs> he always has that laugh, that laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I know that laugh. And, and when he looked, when he, when he said that, like, yeah, the Lord is, but I didn't tell him that. I don't want to say, right. But it was dealing with me. And two days later, it was in the sanctuary in the home. We're doing sanctuary. And like I said, I was there for two and a half months, two months, two and a half months. I never lift my hands up. Never lift my hands up. Never really clap. Really, I was just there. But that that morning, that morning, I, I just lift my hands up. I surrendered to him. Yes. And when I surrendered to the Lord. It, man, I wouldn't. I want to apologize to everybody, even some of my family members. Mm-hmm. I have angry tours and I told my brother, bring my other brother. I want to apologize. I want to ask him to forgive me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was in a, in a visit, in a, in, a, in a visit we have in the home, you know, we get family, family will come on and visit us. 
and I want, you know, I want to apologize. Start asking for forgive me, not for people to forgive them, forgive, forgive me, but I want to forgive them because I mean, it was like I said, forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the it's for us and mm-hmm. for us out there. And that's why I, I start asking God, you know, let me. And I was forgetting all the head staff, all the staff, all the stuff I was doing to everybody. Right. But I know that in that time, the Lord was, um, he was working with me. He was working with me. And I know that even, even when I surrendered to God and I got raised up as a staff, you know, I was, I was still, you know, in working progress, but I still struggled with other things. Still had battle with my drug addiction, still had battles and with, with other things that, you know, I struggle with. But, um, I know that, you know, part of being, you know, serving the Lord in the home. And I, I was I used to tell my home director and he always, always, Pastor Rico would always say, take it to your maker. And that, and we had a prayer closet. I like that. I had a prayer closet. I had a, they had a prayer closet in the men's home, and that's why I spend learn how to pray. I learn how to read my word. I learn how, and that. And when I start, like I say, it's a process, a day by day. But every morning, I had to remit, recommit my life to Christ. Yes, and that's something that I learned how to recommit my life to Christ. And I always ask God, prepare my heart, prepare my eyes, or prepare this day for me. And and it helped me because I I see, see other men that, that that I knew wasn't in the Church of Anaheim. I was in prison, incarcerated with. Wow. Yes. And they used to look at me and they used to tell me, Linus, he's real. Wow. And he's, he's real. And I was like, who's real? Who? Who? You know? Yeah. But then I thought he was talking to the, about the pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was there talking about the Lord. But And I felt the experience of God. I felt the uh, the love, the presence. And that's when I knew there's, there's his love is real. He is real. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.